Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Disciples had a huge prayer meeting in the book of Acts. You know, have you been watching what's going on with the Asbury College revival? Isn't that awesome? I'll tell you what, this is is incredible. I love that it started with young people. I'm believing God is going to bring a revival through our younger generation that they have never seen before. Most of us have been through at least one revival of some kind. Every generation needs their revival. And it's just amazing how it has just come together. It's a sovereign move of God. Just, and we're going to be talking about the sovereignty of God this morning. But somebody pointed out on Facebook that some worshipped Satan for five minutes at the Grammys. Others have worshipped for weeks at Asbury College. Yeah. And you know, God will not be undone. Yeah. And so there, there may, may have been some glorification attempted for Satan, but God will receive all the glory. Keep praying and following this revival. It's starting to break out at other college campuses. I think God is on the move. And just let's make sure that mankind does not ruin it. You know, people with wrong motives or whatever it may be, that they don't try to take hold of this revival. But let God move. Let the Holy Spirit move. And so this is what the disciples prayed at their revival. Acts 4.27 Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Our theme for 2023 is stretch out your hand to heal. We're believing that God wants to heal and he's going to stretch out his hand. And sometimes we're that hand extended. God will use us. And God desires to heal the whole person, body, soul, and spirit. So let's study how God heals. There's key components about healing in the passage of the book of Acts I just read. And so we're going to review what we studied last week, the different components of healing. Number one, God is sovereign. He is in absolute control of your life and the world. Now, I want us to define the, sovereign, the sovereignty of God. It's one of his characteristics. According to Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary, it says that the sovereignty of God is a theological term which refers to the unlimited power of God who has sovereign control over the affairs of nature and history. The Bible declares that God is working out his sovereign plan of redemption for the world and that the conclusion is certain. God is working out his sovereign plan in the earth and in your life. Not only does God have plans for the world, he's got plans individually for you and me. And God is all-powerful, and as long as we don't get in the way, his will shall be done. The second point we studied was God's predestination is based upon his foreknowledge. Those God foreknew, he also predestined, according to Romans 8. 
So we see that God is not only sovereign and all-powerful, he's all-knowing as well. Number three, God sovereignly chose us. We did not choose Jesus, he chose us first. And we always have to remember that, because sometimes we can, we can get ahead and think like we did God a favor, God, I chose you. And he's like, oh no, you didn't, buddy. From the foundation of the earth, I chose you. And so we see that God has already predetermined what's going to happen, but we must still ask and pray in the name of Jesus. Prayer is how we partner with the sovereignty of God. When God's going to move, he moves upon his people to pray. God is moving in the earth today, and we see it in, in the Asbury Revival. God moved. It was his sovereign hand. But how many know there's a lot of prayers that preceded that and continued to pray? So remember, God is sovereign, he's all-powerful, he is in control, but he calls upon us to participate with what he's going to do in the earth and in your life. Number four, God is sovereign, but we also have a free will. Some see these as mutually exclusive, that they can't go together. They can't, kind of like jumbo shrimp, you know, those two things can't go together. But there is God's sovereign will and our free will, and both exist. God has a plan and purpose that works in conformity to his will. Everything that goes on, he keeps working it toward his will. And we see this example in the life of Paul, who formerly was named Saul. By his free will, Paul planned to persecute Christians. But by God's sovereign will, he became one of them. Is that just incredible? I mean, here's this man, Paul, formerly known as Saul, he is bent on destruction. He's going to wipe out this new cult of Christians. And he's going to kill them and arrest them. And, and, and that, that was his plan. But God had other plans. God had plans for Paul. God had plans for him to write most of the New Testament. God had plans for him to go to the Gentiles and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul chose to kill Christians, but God chose him to be their leader instead. It had to be so ironic. We see it in Paul in some of his other writings, how he says, you know, I was a chief of all sinners. I persecuted the church. And yet God turned him around. I'm telling you, with the same power, God can turn us around too. Yeah. Paul was on his way to arrest Christians when he met the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he was blinded, so God spoke to one of his disciples to go and heal Paul. Stretch out your hands. And, and Ananias, the disciple, said, are you sure, God? Haven't you heard about this guy? I mean, he goes around killing Christians and persecuting them and throwing them in jail and splitting up families. Are you sure, God, this is the guy you want? God said, he's my man. And this is what he said to Ananias, Acts 9, 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him, uh oh, look out. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Even that was preordained by God. Paul had been an enemy of Jesus, but now he became his chosen instrument. And not only did God sovereignly choose us, also number five, God sovereignly heals us. Any true healing comes from God and brings glory to God alone. However, we have a part to play in our own healing, as we will see, and that's where we left off. That was all introduction, that was for free. As Christians, our goal in life is to bring our will into alignment with God's will. Now, before we're believers, our will is way out there. 
It's out of conformity to God's will. But as we become Christians and as we grow in our faith more and more, our will is becoming centered in God's will. See, we used to do the things we wanted or we thought best, but as a believer, you surrender all. And you surrender your will to the Lord, knowing that his will is best anyway. Our will is messed up. Our will needs healing itself, body, soul, and spirit, mind, will, and the emotions. And and often our healing will come as we surrender to God's will. Sometimes there's there's a delay in our lives because we haven't fully surrendered. And as we yield to the sovereign will of God, he fulfills his will in our lives. And this same New Testament principle of the sovereignty of God is shown in the Old Testament as well. I mean, healing's all throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament. In fact, it is specifically and prolifically taught in the book of Proverbs. Now, the Apologetic Study Bible says this. While the book of Proverbs clearly shows the importance of human responsibility and choice, this proverb recognizes that outcomes are determined by God's sovereign providence. Proverbs makes no attempt to resolve the tension between the two ideas. Both human responsibility and God's sovereignty are affirmed, and the mystery of their interaction is allowed to remain. So on the one hand, we have our free will, but on the other hand, there's God's sovereign will, and there's, there's a, a little tension between the two, especially from our side. And there's a, there's a mystery to it. And we can't always see what is ahead of us, but God can. Isn't that true that we don't always see what's ahead of us, and, and what we do see may not be conformed to reality? When I was a sophomore in high school, we lived near the golf course in South Texas, Alice, Texas, by Corpus Christi. And me and a buddy at night would swim in the ponds, the golf ponds for golf balls, because I was a golfer, and I, what a better way to get free golf balls than to swim in the golf ball ponds. So we'd wait till it's dark, and it was a moonlit night, and we'd sneak out on the golf course. We had to be careful, because there was a ranger that would drive around at night. And the other thing we had to be careful of is we knew that these ponds had snapping turtles in them, as well as snakes. How stupid could I be, a sophomore... But hey, free golf balls, it's worth dying for. And so me and my buddy, we came to this one pond, and we started to wade out into it. And as we looked there in the moonlight, we saw something sticking out of the water. And we're like, what is that? That looks like a snake, man. But it didn't seem like it was moving. And so I kind of waded out there thinking, oh, my goodness, this could be my last day on earth. And I got as close as I could, and I snatched it by the neck, and it was a golf club. (laughs) A three-wood, in fact. Somebody had a bad day, and they hooked that. Not only, it was was snapped in half, too, so not only did they snap in half, they chucked it into the pond, and it became my three-wood. Let's go. Now, I, I didn't know what that was. I really thought it must be a turtle or a or a snake, but it turned out to be a golf club. We think we know what's ahead of us, but we don't. We cannot see clearly, but God can. This is so important because sometimes there's, a, there's hubris 
There's, there's arrogance on our part. We think we know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so all part of our process with the Lord's sovereignty is surrendering to his will. This connection between God's sovereignty and our free will is especially true in the book of Proverbs chapter 16. Very interesting. The, the first nine verses of Proverbs 16 really spell out the sovereignty of God and how it works in our lives and in the world. Let's look at Proverbs 16, verse 1. To man belongs the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. People make plans in their heart and they verbalize it as well, right? If you've got a vacation you're looking forward to, you you may talk about it and make plans and tell your friends and neighbors and your coworkers who are going to be jealous at you for where you're going. And, And so we make plans in our heart and those plans come out of our mouth. However, no matter what we plan or what we say, number one, God sovereignly has the final word. And this is important for us to understand. In James chapter 4, it talks about this. We're not to make plans without God. And if we do, it's arrogance. It's considered arrogance by God. And so what we need to say is, if it be the Lord's will, this will happen and that will happen. And so we learn to partner with God's sovereignty. We, we have desires, in our, and God knows the desires of our heart. But from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. People make these plans, but God decides. And when God says it, it shall be done. When God says it, it's going to happen. And there's so many places in Scripture where it says God said before something happened. God said, let there be light, and there was. God speaks forth his word and always has the final say. And we should want that. We shouldn't want the last word with God. You may want the last word with your spouse, good luck. But you'll never get the last word with God. Never. And this is part of us learning to trust him and to depend upon him. Proverbs 16, verse 2. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Oh, how I many you know when we pray, God knows our heart. We, we may sound real innocent, real pure of heart, but God knows what's going on in our hearts. So it's not enough just to pray. We must have the right motives of our heart. When we say, God, your will be done, whatever it is, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I surrender to you. It's your will. Be careful. Because God's going to say, you mean that? Yes, God, I mean it. No matter what happens, I'll accept it as your will. And then something happens and we don't like it. I've done that before in my life. I remember specifically one time where I was praying, God, I only want your will. And then when I didn't get what I wanted, I was so upset. I still remember I was riding my bike, my bicycle through traffic and just furious. And I had to realize, you know what? God knew my motives. Even I didn't know my motives. I thought my motives were pure. See, that's sometimes we're not even aware of our motives. And this is why we've got to let God weigh our heart, judge our heart. And we see in 1 Chronicles 28.9, he's speaking to Solomon. 
Solomon had just finished the temple of the Lord. And he says, And you, my son, Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. This was David speaking to Solomon. And so we are to come before God and ask for a miracle, ask for our healing, but also to know that he is weighing what's in our heart. Proverbs 16, 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Whoa, I like this. We heard the last word, succeed, that's it. But there's some conditions before that. First of all, we got to commit it to the Lord. Whatever you need, whatever healing you're seeking God for, we've got to commit it to the Lord. We've got to put it in his hands. We have to trust him. Fully commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Number three, God sovereignly brings success. Any success, any blessing, any favor, it comes from God. We can never say, I did this on my own. And there's always a risk that that will happen. And we see that in Deuteronomy chapter 8. The Israelites were ready to go in and take the promised land. They'd been marching in the wilderness for 40 years. And so now was the time. And so God warns them, when you, when you move into homes you didn't build, and you reap from vineyards you didn't plant, don't forget the Lord your God. Sometimes when things come that easy, we take them for granted, don't we? And so God is warning them, I'm giving you this land, but sometimes the greater challenge for us is prosperity, how we manage it. But here is the key, Exodus 9, 15. For by now I could have stretched out my hand, well, there it is, and struck you and your prophets with plague. Whoa, didn't expect that from the hand of the Lord. That would have wiped you off the earth. But I raised you up for this very purpose that I might show you my power and that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. I'm sorry, I jumped down too far. If anybody's confused, sorry guys up there. Deuteronomy 8.17, New Living Translation. God did this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. In order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed in your ancestors, to your ancestors with an oath. Whatever prosperity you have, whatever success you have, whatever wealth you have, it is important that we know it came from the Lord. It came from God. God sovereignly brings success. Proverbs 16.4, the Lord works out everything for his ends, even the wicked for the day of disaster. Number four, God sovereignly uses even the wicked. How many know God is in control? He's moving the pieces on the board. And there's some wicked people out there, but God is aware of what they're doing. And God even makes them work toward his will, work toward his good. We see this in the life of Joseph. His brothers meant it for evil, he said, but God used it for good in the saving of many lives. What they did was evil, what they did was wrong, but God used it anyway to bring Joseph to the throne. 
And so back to Exodus 9.15, God says, for by now I could have stretched out my hand. He's speaking to Pharaoh. And struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. But I have raised you up. He's speaking of Pharaoh. Again, not a good guy. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. How many know God even used Pharaoh to accomplish his purposes in the earth, to bring the ten plagues, to free the, the, the slaves of Egypt, of Israel, to go to the promised land? So God can use anybody, righteous or wicked. He'll, he'll move the pieces on the chessboard according to his plan. Proverbs 16, verse 5. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Wow. Pride is something God does not like. And we see this in 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble Humble yourselves then, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. God sovereignly punishes the proud, but he lifts up the humble. And this is so counter to the world. The world lifts up themselves. People exalt themselves. They, they climb over someone else's back to get their award and their success. But in the kingdom of God, it's different. God wants us to be humble. And when we're humble, he will lift us up in due time. Timing is very important to God. And God is sovereign in that time. And so God doesn't just dislike the proud. He opposes them. He resists them. He works against them. Proverbs 16, 6. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. Number six. God sovereignly forgives our sins. Oh, can I get an amen there? One of the greatest things about being a believer in Jesus Christ is your sins are forgiven. I mean, if God did nothing more for us, isn't that enough? Because no one can do that in the world. No one can forgive your sins, but God can. And we see this in Micah 7, verse 18 and 19. Who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. Again, we see the heart of God. He, he, judgment is his last resort. Mercy is his first resort. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. Verse 19, you will again have compassion on us and you will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Wow. God forgives us our sin and then cast it as far as the east is from the west. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. Number seven. God sovereignly brings peace with our enemies. Christianity is the only religion that says love your enemies. Jesus told us to pray for our enemies. And so, if you want to please the Lord, you've got to walk in his way. And what his way is that we pray for those who may have hurt us or harmed us. And so God will sovereignly move, but we participate in that by praying. Proverbs 16, 8. 
Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. Number eight, God sovereignly leaves us satisfied with righteousness. God is the only thing that satisfies. It's all the things of this earth, all the things they're thinking about that you're going to want to have once it's invented. I mean, the technology is crazy, right? And they're always making you update your phone. I know I've reached a certain age because I don't like change anymore. Don't mess with my phone. I, you don't change the symbols and how it's laid out. I just learned how to function on half of the apps and the, half, the other half I have to ask my kids to show me. But everybody wants something new and, and brand new. And, but the reality is that when we are content with what God has for us, then we will know peace. And our healing will come when we are content and satisfied with whatever God says. Remember, he heals three ways, medically, miraculously, and heavenly. And when we're content and satisfied to say, Lord, however you heal me, I will give you praise. I will accept your healing however it comes. There's, there's just something about contentment that puts us in a place I'll tell you for sure, I know that science has proven that contentment is, makes better physical health for us. Greed does not make you healthy. Anxiety and all of those things we struggle with work against us. But when we're satisfied, when we're content with what God has and how he heals, then we will know righteousness. Proverbs 16.9 in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his, his steps. Dick Ferris, I just saw right there that God believes in golf. Because it says that. In a man, a heart, a man plans his course. Now, I plan to hit right down the fairway and never do. So God's got other plans with my golf game. But number nine, God sovereignly determines our steps. Now, we, we make those plans, but God determines the steps. And I'm, I'm telling you, God has already been there. What you're facing ahead of you, God has already been there. He knows the way. He knows the answer. A couple years ago, when Jolie and I went to visit our kids in Egypt and our grandkids, we went on a tour of the pyramids. What surprised me is the pyramids are not way out in the desert like I thought they would be. They're right on the edge of town. I mean, there's like a pizza hut there, you know, across the street. <laughs> kind of takes away from the Lynx, you know, pizza hut. And the Lynx was nowhere as big as I thought it should be. The Lynx, you know, with the, the missing nose, that whole thing. I thought it was huge like the pyramids, but it's not that big. It's like a Volkswagen size is all. But we had to hire a guide to show us around the pyramids and the different things you could see. And then what we picked up, we hired a guide, and then they picked up a guy on the way. And we asked, well, who's that guy? I noticed he had a machine gun pistol on his hip. And so anyone that's going to tour the pyramids gets an armed guard. It's just the way it is, because they had attacks there before. And so, you know what? I felt pretty good with that guy in our tour. I liked walking near him, you know, and being around him. 
Wanted to check out that machine gun pistol. That was pretty cool. But I want you to know God is your guide. And he will protect you. And no one can take you off your path if God has ordained it. The key for us is surrender. Submission to his will. Would you bow your heads with me today? God is speaking to people here this morning. And you may have tried to live life your way. But now God is speaking to you to let him take control of your life. He will get you there. He will protect you. He will guard you. He will sustain you. He will do all of these things sovereignly. He'll make you satisfied, content. He will make even your enemies be at peace with you. Giving your life to God is the best thing you can do. It's the greatest thing you can do. So if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're ready to give control of your life over to God, or maybe you were a Christian at one time, but you know you've fallen away, you're not where you belong with God, if you want to come back to God, or if you want to give your life to God for the first time, would you just slip up your hand? Anyone in this place? You want to give your life to Christ? You want to come back home to the Lord? Anyone at all? Oh, I believe God is working here this morning. So again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pray for you. Is there any of those areas of your life that you want to surrender to the Lord? Commit your way to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Lord Jesus, we are here today and we surrender. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in the world, in Russia, in China, but we we don't even know what's going to happen right here in Bakersfield and in our own life and family. But you do. And you are sovereign. And you are in control. And if we would just trust you and surrender and yield and not fight you and try to make it all happen on our own, There's comfort knowing that you are in control. Even if we don't like where we're at right now, even though we may be struggling and we're wondering how long, oh Lord, there's still a sense of security that you know and that you've planned it and you've worked it out for our good. It may not feel good at the beginning, but you work all things together for good. And so Lord, we just surrender to you today. Would you stand with me? And you're free to stay and worship. And if you want prayer, our elders will be coming forward to pray for those. And we'll keep our conversation in the foyers to be sensitive to what the Spirit is doing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.